Welcome to another lecture presented by members of the Syracuse, New York class. My name is Sharon Welch and I'll be your moderator for this evening's class. Now this is a school and not a church, neither are we affiliated with any religious organization. The school is a nonprofit, non-denominational, religious and scientific research organization dedicated and shown proof of the existence of Yahweh, our Elohim, and the operation of his eternal purpose, pattern, and plan operating throughout eternity to this present day. The school is a result of a divine vision and revelation given to our founder, Dr. Henry Clifford Kinley in the state of Ohio in the year 1931. We were incorporated in the state of California in 1958. Since that time, we have established branch schools throughout the United States, Canada, and other foreign countries countries, the Syracuse branch was established in 1969. The Dean of our Syracuse class is Dr. Patrick Trevison. Now in this school, we use the true, correct, and original name and title of the Father, the Word or Son, and the Holy Spirit, which are contained in the original Hebrew text. The true name of the Heavenly Father is Yahweh. It has been mistranslated to be Lord. The true title of the Word or Son is Elohim. It has been mistranslated to read God. And the true name of the Holy Spirit manifested in or out of a physical body is Yahshua. It was mistranslated to read Jesus. Now, Lord and God are titles and not names. The Apostle Paul filled with the Holy Spirit states in 1 Corinthians 8 and 5, that there are Lord's many and that there are God's many. But we now know that each Lord must have a name and each God must have a name also. Elohim is a title, but unlike Lord and God, Elohim is a divine title. That means that is the title that the creator chose for himself. Jesus is a name, but it's an erroneous name. Minor investigation on your part into a good dictionary or encyclopedia would prove that neither the Hebrew language, the Greek language, nor the Latin language have any characters or letters in their alphabet that would produce the sound that is made by the letter J. Neither was there a letter J in our English language until some 1400 years after the death of the Messiah, making such names as Jesus and Jehovah in proper renderings of the true name of the Father and His Son. <clears throat> Excuse me. Christ is a title, just like Lord and God. Now, Yahweh is pure spirit. And in that state, He is incomprehensible and inscrutable. He is the ultimate source, substance, limits, and bounds. We have Yahweh in His pure spirit state on, on this, this chart as a cloud. Yahweh is not a cloud. He merely chose a cloud to symbolize himself because a cloud has no particular or descriptive shape and form. We have this cloud painted all around the edges of this chart to show you that everything on the chart abides within the cloud. In like manner, everything in the universe abides within the pure spirit state of Yahweh. <clears throat> now, Yahweh, knowing that man cannot perceive of him in that pure spirit state, took on shape and took on form right within himself as Yahweh Elohim. This is the word or son, a super incorporeal being 
that is the shape and form of a man, but without flesh and blood. This form can only be seen in divine vision and understood in divine revelation. Later on, <clears throat> that self-same spirit <clears throat> manifested himself and walked the earth plane known as Yahshua the Messiah, whom the world erroneously calls Jesus Christ. Now, there is only one name given unto salvation, and we must know that name. So the simple yet intelligent question we must ask ourselves is what was the name of the Messiah at the time he walked the earth plane? A further understanding of the name and title can be had by reading the preface of a holy name Bible. Also in the school, we teach by a divine pattern. It's called a divine pattern because it is Yahweh's pattern. After Yahweh led the children of Israel out of Egypt, he called Moses on top of Mount Sinai and showed him this tabernacle pattern in a vision. He instructed Moses to build one exactly like it in the wilderness. The tabernacle pattern consists of a most holy place, a holy place, and a court roundabout. These three compartments make up the one tabernacle pattern. We also go about in this group to show proof how that everything in the universe is made and operates according to the structure and function of the threefold tabernacle pattern and that absolutely nothing escapes the pattern. <clears throat> Our 10 primary constitutional aims and objectives are as follows. First is to help you find and know Yahweh our Elohim as he really is and actually exists. Second is to form a nucleus of universal brotherhood of humanity in Yahshua the Messiah with the hope of immortal glorification in the new earth state. <clears throat> Third is to investigate the unexplained spirit law or so-called law of nature and the powers latent in man. Fourth is to encourage and promote the study of the scripture, comparative religion, psychology, philosophy, modern, practical and occult science. Fifth is to extirpate current superstition skepticism and ignorance. Six is to learn, know, and understand the operation of Yahweh's eternal purpose through the dispensations and ages. Seventh is discern and avoid being deceived by Lucifer, the serpent, the devil, the dragon, or Satan and his demons operating the mystery of iniquity on earth through the dispensation of time. Eighth is to earnestly contend for the common salvation and faith, which was once delivered unto the sons or children of Yahweh. Ninth is to make known that Yahweh from the beginning ordained there is no other name given among men whereby man can be saved, saving the name of Yahshua the Messiah. And tenth is to inherit eternal life now in the kingdom of Yahshua the Messiah with the hope of immortal glorification and the new word state. Our watchword is peace and our slogan is speak the truth. At this time, we'll have the class dedicated in prayer by Dr. Deborah Kometty. And that'll be followed by a scripture, which is Philippians, the third chapter. And that'll be read by Dr. Bruce Geller from our Oceanside, California class. 
and Dr. Scott Miller is our other reader for this evening. Dr. Kometty. Let's all take a moment and bow our hearts and minds to our Heavenly Father, Yahweh, through his son, Yahshua. Yahshua, we are here. We are here in heart and mind and so comforted that we have found truth and found a home to abide in the truth. We look forward to uh, hearing the speakers tonight. We look forward to understanding more about your magnificent purpose, pattern, and plan. And we wait with anticipation for whatever it has for that you're going to allow us to receive. We ask all things in your name, Yahshua, your sacred name that means so much to us. Let us all say hallelujah. 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 Good afternoon, class. I will be reading Philippians, the third chapter, out of the Holy Name Bible containing the Holy Name version of the Old and New Testaments, critically compared with ancient authorities in various manuscripts, revised by A.B. Trena of the Scripture Research Association Incorporated, College Park, Maryland. Philippians, the third chapter. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in Yahweh. To write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Beware of dogs, beware of evil workers, beware of the concision, for we are the circumcision which worship Yahweh in the spirit and rejoice in Yahshua the Messiah and have no confidence in the flesh, though I might also have confidence in the flesh. If any other man thinketh that he hath whereof, he might trust in the flesh, I more. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the assembly, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for the Messiah. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Yahshua the Messiah, my Savior, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung, that I may win the Messiah and be found in him, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of the Messiah, the righteousness which is of Yahweh by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend that for which also I am apprehended of Yahshua the Messiah. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, 
But this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of Yahweh in Yahshua the Messiah. Let us therefore, as many as be perfect, be thus minded. And if in anything ye be otherwise minded, Yahweh shall reveal even this unto you. Nevertheless, whereunto we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule, let us mind the same thing. Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. For many walk of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are the enemies of the cross of the Messiah, whose end is destruction, whose L is their belly, and whose glory is, is their shame, who mind earthly things. For our citizenship is in heaven, from whence also, from whence also we are expecting our Savior, King Yahshua the Messiah who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body, according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. That was Philippians, the third chapter. Thank you very much, Dr. Kometi and Dr. Geller. <clears throat> We'll have a four, three speaker format this evening. And uh, I'd like to um, thank everyone that is participated in our Zoom room. And we have uh, many that are viewing us on YouTube. And we hope that you enjoy class tonight. And for our first speaker, we'd like to call on Dr. Bruce Geller from our Oceanside, California class. Thank you very much. It's a, indeed a pleasure to be with all of you today. I, I look so forward to it, uh, and not only because I just got back from the DMV, but because I really do look forward to us gathering together. However, the DMV is a really good example of, of this earth plane that we're in. That was a darkness when I walked into that DMV that could be felt. I, I thought I'd let you know that in case you haven't been to the DMV lately. But uh, I, I, I know that just coming to class and being together and studying together and preaching this gospel gives us great joy. And I'm just very happy to be with all of you. Um, and I'd like to just say that this, uh, this teaching that we're all involved in is truly, as, as uh, our prayer, as uh, Deb said, you know, this, this is a, an amazing thing we're involved in here. And it's, it's a wonderful thing, this teaching. And, it, and it, it indeed gives us a great deal of comfort in a world that... Uh, 
is really uh, going off the deep end, folks. Uh, uh, and it's it doesn't just take a school shooting in Texas to prove those things out. But I mean, this earth plane is so uh, uh, much more violent and evil than it was when I first came into to class. And I was told by uh, the dean at that time, Dr. Burbank Mitchell uh, mentioned on more than one occasion that if you think things are bad now, and this was back in the 70s, he basically said, you ain't seen nothing yet of how bad it's going to get. And those words ring in my ear often because when you see the state and condition of this earth plane and what's going on in it, it's, it's a witness. To, it should be a witness to us that Yahshua's words are so true. And, and, you know, we have an Elohim that it's impossible for him to lie, folks. Have you ever met anybody in, or come in contact with anybody where you could say, you know, I mean, you might, we've had lots of friends over the years and we, we never saw them as liars. And we trusted what they told us that their words were good, but Yahweh through Yahshua uh, has never told us anything that didn't come to pass. In other words, it's, and that's the slogan of our, school is to speak the truth and i'll right. tell you in this world that's so uh refreshing and it's so needed to hear the truth yeah. it's so important because without having a knowledge and or an understanding you are subject to being deceived as we all were deceived, every single last one of us were deceived before we stepped through the doors of this institute. We were tricked or deceived or lied to. And we didn't worship our creator in the way in which he intended for us to worship him. We were ignorant of him. And folks, I don't want you to get the impression that I'm saying that it was not by design because it was by design that we came in that way. Right. So that Yahweh, through his son, Yahshua, could reveal to us and become our savior and show us the things that we need to, to know about him. And thereby we would come to understand ourselves as well and what it is that is dwelling within us. And I'll tell you, seeing this thing that happened in Texas, this shooting of innocent children, that is not the first time anything like this has ever happened. It's a repeat of, of the same violence that has been plaguing us for quite some time now, but it's becoming more prevalent than it ever has. It, it's almost like when you hear about a school shooting, it's like, and what else? In other words, you, you, you've come to almost expect it. Now, if you could, I would like for you to uh, go
go to Genesis, the sixth chapter, because uh, the same thing that was going on in, uh, during the, before the flood is the exact same thing that Yahshua said would occur down at the end of this age, that just as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be with the coming of the Son of Man, which he's talking about himself. I would like you to pick up, Scott, if you would, where it talks about uh, the, the state and condition of people's minds back then. Yeah, it makes mention, I believe it's Genesis, the sixth chapter, talks about the state of how, uh, where people's heads were at, for <laughs> lack of a better term, that there was violence and men's hearts and minds were evil. And I know that's in the book. Genesis uh, 6 and 5. Genesis and Go ahead, Scott. Sorry. And Elohim saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Now, I'm going to ask this question. I'm not trying to be a wise guy, but does that sound familiar in some mm -hmm. way, shape, or form? Mm -hmm. That the thoughts right. and intentions of the the of mankind were only evil continually. Folks, if that isn't a, a, an example, a real good example of evil, walking into a, a school, uh, this, this gentleman that, uh, and, I, and I say gentleman cautiously, but this kid, 18-year-old kid, walked into a school, barricaded himself in this room, and the room just happened to have children in it, and he just started shooting everything. Mm -hmm. And you know what I'm saying? Shooting innocent uh, children. Mm -hmm. Now I've never, Jerry and I have never had children, but I was a, I was somebody's child. And so is Jerry mm -hmm. and so are you. And I can only, I mean, never having been a parent, I can't say I know what that feels like, but just to see the kind of grief that these people are going through to have sent their child to school and then mm -hmm. never see them again because they were blown away by some evil individual. Mm -hmm. And you know that that was a demonic spirit in that kid. You mm -hmm. know that that's what it had to be. Because we know something about what that demon can do and what he what he's been set up to do, what he's been purposed to do. And you know he's a murderer. And along with that, he's got other qualifications, like being a liar. You like to be lied to, by the way, anybody? Uh, if you do, raise your hand. I won't see it. But no, I, you know what I'm saying? Who likes to be lied to? We didn't know that we were being lied to when we were young and people were telling us about God and they didn't know the first thing about God to tell you and me about it. Not a thing. They hadn't had anything revealed to them. 
by the Holy Spirit or any other. They didn't have nothing. And yet they told us this stuff and deceived us. And we didn't know any better at that time. Now, one of the aims of this institute, and I'd like for you, well, I could just quote it uh, if I could remember it. But it talks about how we need to uh, discern. I believe that is that number four? seven. Sharon, you got it? To discern, yep, to discern and avoid being deceived by mm -hmm. Lucifer, the serpent, the devil, the dragon, or Satan and his demons operating throughout eternity through this present day. Folks, the reason why we were deceived, and I'm, I'm, I know I'm simplifying this, but it's because we couldn't discern. That's the reason why we were open to being deceived. Once you're mm -hmm. able to discern, which means to accurately judge a matter, then you're, you're, you, you are less subject to being deceived. But if you don't know nothing, then somebody can come along, which they did, and tell you anything, me too, and will buy it, especially if it sounds good. And it's delivered by somebody with a lot of charisma, whatever you want to call it. And folks, we all were deceived. Mm -hmm. Now we're not deceived. Why? Because Yahweh has revealed himself to us through his son. And now we're able to pick that serpent up by the tail as the... As, as the founder talked about, and he didn't mean T-A-I-L, he meant T-A-L-E, and that's how you can pick up on what they're telling you out here by what's coming out of their mouth and their actions as well, by the way. But mm -hmm. we didn't know anything before we came into class. We were deceived. And we, folks, we didn't, maybe some of us did know this, but we needed a savior. And we got the one true savior. And there aren't a lot of them. There aren't more than one. There's not, oh, you can choose, you know, if you don't like Jesus, you can, uh, maybe Buddha will do, or somebody else, or your rabbi, or your minister, or your idol, or whatever. Folks, there's only one Messiah. Right. And I'm, I wasn't taught about the Messiah in my upbringing. In fact, they didn't even tell me the creator's name. You say, well, you had to have known his, na his name was Yahweh. You read it in Hebrew out of the scriptures. I'm telling you that I was so deceived and so brainwashed that when I read those four letters out of a Hebrew Bible, I didn't read it as Yahweh. In my mind, it was Adonai. That's like you reading the word dog on a chalkboard, but you're saying cat. They're not the same thing. But yet to me, they didn't even tell me that, well, we, his name is really Yahweh, but we shouldn't call him that. They never even mentioned his name. They just had taught me something completely 
what they wanted to teach me. And I said, okay, fine. You could teach me anything. I'm only here because my parents are sending me here anyway. I don't want to be here. I wasn't going to tell them that. But isn't it a wonderful thing that Yahshua has taken, out, taken us out of this nonsense, folks? Mm -hmm. He's taken us into the truth. And isn't it wonderful to know the truth? Yahshua right. said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make yeah. you free or set you free. Right. Free from what? Free from all the crap that I've heard all my, my whole life, which some of it I believed, some of it I picked and choose what I wanted to believe. Now we have a real true knowledge and understanding based on a real vision and revelation from the creator of the heavens and the earth, folks. We're, we're partakers of that. That should humble us and should make us such where we feel, listen, I've already been corrected. Keep correcting me because I know that if I'm not wrong in this area, then I'm probably wrong. I may be wrong in another area. But one thing we that they, that they can never take away, nobody can take this away from us, is that we are partaking of the truth, the genuine truth that can really do something for you and has the ability to comfort your heart in a time when, folks, if you don't need some kind of comfort, then I don't know what to tell you. Because this world has got absolutely nothing to offer us. Absolutely nothing. When I say that, I mean if it has to offer us in the sense that it's, it's the visible showing the invisible. I don't mean to say that it that it's not doing that because it is but that's not what we live for anymore those things that we thought were important we've come to understand that they're not anymore fleshly things don't you know as a matter of fact the flesh is it's grievous yes it's tough it's hard and your mind doesn't have to be on the flesh. As Paul said in Romans, the eighth chapter, to be carnally minded is death. We're not carnally minded anymore, folks. We've been given some spiritual understanding, which takes us away from the carnal mind. Carnal just simply means fleshly, physical. And that's all that we were capable of seeing before we entered this class. That's all we knew. But that's not the case, folks, anymore. We've been given a real valuable thing. I, I, I'm trying to, you know, sometimes words just don't do. But to have... Being a partaker of the truth is so right. special and valuable. Yeah. And it gives me great pleasure to come together with the Syracuse class or any other class that's, that is preaching the truth. And folks, we got something special together. Oh, yeah, we got our faults, and every one of us do. And sometimes we can get under each other's nerves. But if you think about it, 
there really is a real genuine love that we didn't know even existed before we came into this class. I'm talking about a divine love and respect that we have for one another because we're looking at the same thing and we're, our goals are the same. We want, we want Yahshua to be manifest in our hearts and minds and for us to be a, a witness right. to, this, to what Yahshua has done for us. And he's done a great deal, folks. He has. So let's go back. I'm sorry. I was I was in, Gen in Genesis, the sixth chapter. But I just want to show you how that you shouldn't be surprised. I'm not surprised that men's hearts and minds are where they are, right. folks. Whether you're Republican or Democrat, it doesn't matter. The world leaders, folks, are carnal. And many of them have bad stuff in them folks they're not they don't have the truth inside of them so all they have to to give is is just something carnal that's all and they're not doing anything even about that they're not taking any actions so i just i i say this in the form of encouragement we we're shouting happy that we have each other, aren't we? I, I feel that way, yeah. and I know I know you do too. I don't have to ask you that. I'm just mm -hmm. saying that what we have in the Syracuse class, the Oceanside class, and every other class that's teaching the true gospel of Yahshua, we got something, <laughs> folks. We got something beautiful and something that nobody can take away from us right. that we will carry into the ages. This is preparation, folks, as it were, for the ages yet to come. We're just scratching the surface of Yahweh and his purpose. We're in kindergarten, like I've heard him say before. In other words, and that's not to say that many of us are not mature in the spirit. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying there's so much to know about Yahweh so much we're talking about some spirit that is eternal right that is there's no beginning and there's no end to him and he's so beautiful folks and we're just getting our eyes open and man we are so so blessed just so blessed to have each other and to have this this teaching I ask you this and not feel ashamed to say it. What else is there? You know what I mean? When you got Yahshua, it says in the book, you're complete in him. When you're complete, folks, you're not lacking for anything. So we're just shouting happy. Now, as far as this state and condition of this creation, it's... It, we're getting ready, folks, to, to get out of here. This thing is not going to go on. Yahweh is not going to allow this thing to go on and for ad infinitum, that it's going to keep on going. This one, this creation, it's coming to an end. <clears throat> and you can see that the hearts and the minds of the people 
that need Yahshua. These people need Yahshua just like before we came into a knowledge and understanding, we were the same, we were the same cut from the same cloth, folks. We need Yahshua and so do they. That's why we're still we're gonna keep on preaching this thing to the end. Mm -hmm. And and we're not afraid. Really, if you think about it, what do we have to be afraid of? We're taking hold of eternal life, folks. Really, we just need to be humble and realize that we need to show love and patience with people in class or out of class, but especially amongst ourselves because we all have faults. And I can think about the times that I be, I was so judgmental about people. I would never do anything like that. I would never think that way. Oh, you better take another look at yourself before you start making statements like that. But I can tell you that I'm as guilty as this could be about that, about judging a matter. And you don't judge a matter without having the facts either. You know how quickly we like to assume or presume something. We're quick on that gun, but we don't necessarily have all the facts before we make a determining you know, factor as it were. Anyway, I do not know how I got off on this. All I know is that I'm just glad to be a part of this thing. I, I, I appreciate it so much. And I appreciate you as brethren. I feel so close to you and I carry you in my heart. I want you to know that. I really do. I just think it's a wonderful thing that we're able to sup together and reason together. We're not afraid to speak our minds with one. See, where I came from, if if somebody, if I asked somebody for law and profits for something they said, they looked at me like I was a leper. <laughs> I was just going to the place where the, the one that had the vision and revelation told me to go to. <laughs> if you can't prove what you're saying by the scriptures, you ain't got no business saying it. If I had kept that in mind on a lot of my journey, I probably would have avoided a lot of pain, pain and suffering. But better late than never. That I can tell you. That's my testimony. Because Yahweh could have left any one of us. You know, but he hasn't. Because if you're one of his, there's nothing... <laughs> the, there's no demon on earth that's going to take you away from Yahshua the Messiah or pull you away from the truth. You don't have to worry about that. I'm just glad to know the truth yeah. and to feel confident that, hey, I'm in an atmosphere where I can ask a question of somebody. I don't have to feel embarrassed because I don't know. Because if I don't know something, I guarantee you, you don't know something either. So we're... <laughs> You know, it's not that kind of thing. And there's no competition among us either. Just happy to have a reasonable testimony to speak, to say something. But in terms of competition, you know, a lot of times people are trying to outdo one another out in the world. That's not our MO in this teaching. 
as long as Yahshua the Messiah is being preached, that's all. And I'm just speaking for myself now. That I don't care who he speaks through. <laughs> this is not a personality contest. I'm just happy to be a part of it. I don't know what else to tell you. I know this, though, that I, I, I'm so glad that Yahweh took me out of what I was involved in, folks, because I was going down a wrong road. And he can take you off that road and put you on the right one because he's done that with all of us. So, Scott, I know I had you reading Genesis. I might as well finish with that. Uh, Genesis, the sixth chapter, you were talking about how that the thoughts and intents of the hearts and minds of people were evil continually. Do we have a witness? Can we get a witness on that? <laughs> Take a look at what's going on around you. Uh. <laughs> the whole world, folks, as John said, or one of them said, <laughs> that the whole world lieth in wickedness. Yeah, yeah, I guess it is. And the thoughts and intents of the people's Hearts and minds were only evil continually. That necessitated Yahweh to take that old creation out and bring a new one in. And folks, he's going to do the same thing again. He's going to wipe this one out. And he's going to bring in a new one. And it says that in the new one, that's where righteousness dwells. Right. Wherein righteousness dwells. That's Yahshua, folks. Right. He's the righteousness, not us. There's nothing uh -huh. righteous about us. And it'd be good that we all come to that awareness because that should humble you right there. If there's any righteousness to be had, it's only in one place. It's in Yahshua the Messiah, and that's it. There is no other place for it to be. Anyway, Scott, is there more there? Because I'm, 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 I'm done pretty much. I'm just trying to point out that when you see all this uh, 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 wickedness going on, it should actually be of a comfort in one in the respect that you're seeing Yahweh's purpose repeat over and over and over again it should give you confidence that his words they're not idle words folks that when he speaks he speaks the truth and when he makes a promise which is to form his son in us he doesn't break it right that he which hath begun a good work in you he shall finish it and folks, we know that he doesn't start something that he can't finish. That's more like what we do. That's what we do. And we got something much greater than that, folks. We have confidence in him. We don't boast of ourselves. I'm just so tickled and happy and joyous. I don't know. You know, I... I Sometimes there just are no words to express really what's in your heart. And it, it really is a, a, a pleasure 
to, as Yahweh said back there somewhere in the Old Testament, he said he wanted you to worship him with gladness of heart. And we've got the spirit to do that, folks. We didn't have it before. We didn't walk in the door with the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, what did Yahshua mean when he said that you must be born again, Nicodemus, and anybody else that's going to come into a knowledge and understanding? has to be born from above. And ain't that a wonderful thing to be that sure about your creator, folks, and about your savior? Scott, is there any more there? It says that there was evil only continually. What, uh, keep on going if there is any more there. Uh, verse Five minutes, six, please. And it was that he had made man on the earth, and he greets him at his heart. And Yahweh okay. said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, and the creeping thing, and the fowls of the air. For it repenteth me that I have made them. And you see that? How that Yahweh himself was grievous. That he had seen that the wickedness in the earth plane was that bad, folks. That it was that evil, and that he had to do something about it. And folks, this thing is not going to go on and on and on like this. It should actually be of an encouragement to us to see that Yahshua's words are just being, they're fulfilled. Even now, these things are coming to pass, folks. And yet I was told back, and I, I have to tell you this, when I was told this back in the 70s and Mitch said, it's going to get worse. I sat in my chair and I, I scoffed at what he said inwardly. You wouldn't have known that from my expression. But I thought, oh, baloney, bull. It ain't going to get worse than this. What could be worse than Nixon and Watergate and all the rest of the, and Kent State and all the rest of this stuff that was going on in the 70s? I thought, what could be worse than this? Well, you live long enough, you'll see it. And it's it's uh, it's just hard to imagine how you don't have to imagine it. You know that Yahshua doesn't lie, and you know when he said that it's gonna be as it was in the days of Noah, that's exactly what's going on now. And it's getting worse and worse and worse. So you know where the best place to be is in this class in Yahshua the Messiah, folks, and not forgetting how far he's brought us and how he's taking us on eagle's wings as he did Israel back there, folks. He's taken us out of this mess. And we don't have the same mindset that we had when we first walked in the door. Oh, I want to be somebody. When you're in Yahshua, boy, you are somebody. Not in the same sense that we wanted to be somebody. I want to get ahead. I want to be recognized. I want to be honored. I want a lot of money. I want prestige. All of those things, folks, pale in comparison with what we have now and what we're going to have when this thing, when Yahshua is universally revealed. Just want to make our calling and election sure and just be happy and glad to be a part of this thing 
-hmm. And undeservedly, folks, I might add so. In other words, it was simply because he had grace and mercy on us, not for anything that we ever did or anything that we ever could do. So I wanted to make that point. I hope that you got something out of what was said. I appreciate the opportunity to have anything to say about Yahshua the Messiah and about Yahweh and his purpose. And I thank you for your attention. Hallelujah. Thank you very much, Dr. Bruce Geller. <clears throat> and for our second speaker this evening, we'd like to call on Dr. Sandy Wilkerson from Springfield, Ohio class. Dr. Wilkerson. You're unmuted, Dr. Sandy Wilkerson. See, you're unmuted, Sandy, but we can't hear you. I don't think she's she's available. Well, okay, maybe we'll hear from you again sometime. Uh, then we will call on Dr. Margaret Trevison from our Syracuse, New York class. Good afternoon, good evening, everybody. Um, a little bit of a surprise, but I did enjoy the remarks from the first speaker, um, setting it up, showing us that mystery of iniquity is alive and well, working in the earth plane. And we've seen that, you know, with all the shootings and everything going on. And that um, it makes us even more happy that we know our creator as he really is and actually exists because we you know it's you see the killing of the innocents i mean it's children you know it's not like guys out in the battlefield that get killed you expect that but you don't expect sending your child off to school that they're not going to be coming home that day and um it's that's just another another thing that the mystery of iniquity has put to separate people because you know it's going to cause divisions because um it already has started you know they're talking about the republicans that won't pass that law it's been two years that they want those ar-15s uh to be taken off the market to you know make it illegal to sell them mm -hmm. and they and they won't go there there's like that's been and the democrats passed it and the Republicans have had it for two years and they haven't done anything with it. So it's just another, it's that way that Mr. Iniquity works. It's just causing divisions, divisions, divisions. Um, if you think about all the topics that come up that are like hot topics these days, like um, oh, the L, LB, what is that? LBG, the lesbian gay, Right. you know, LBGQ thing. LBGQ thing, 
that's just another thing to cause divisions and it has to do with the flesh. If you think of any of the topics that cause divisions, it's gonna to have to, it's something to do with the flesh. And that's why it's so, we are so fortunate knowing that the flesh is not where it's at, that it's in the spirit. And so we're, we're concentrating on knowing something about the spirit is it really is and actually exists um is that sandy is that sandy are you ready to there's a note there that she thinks it's fixed now did you want to have something to say sandy sure and i'm going to turn it back over to sandy it looks like she can uh join us oh. now okay then we will hear from dr wilkerson You might be muted, Sandy. No, she's not muted. Okay. There's a note on the chat. She says, I think it's fixed now. Fixed. <laughs> it's a fixed pipe. <laughs> <laughs> That's for sure. Oh, she. Can you hear me now? Yes, now we can hear you. Okay, I did. Oh, there you go. Well, I didn't want to interrupt the person that was talking. I I didn't want to interrupt them. I just I just said it was fixed. Now after they were done, I would, you know what I mean. I didn't want to interrupt the person that was talking. Now go go ahead. You're fine. Go for it. Oh my gosh. Well, I'll just tell you the reason why I'm here. I thought today was Friday, and I said, well, I'm sitting here watching TV, and I said I looked at the clock, and I said it's seven o'clock. I said I wonder what Zoom class is on Friday. And I looked in, in my book and there wasn't nine. There wasn't none. And so then I said, wait a minute, today's Wednesday. So I went to the Wednesday part and I said, there's uh, there's two classes and I picked one, but my fingers pushed the numbers for this this class. So I said, well, here I am. <laughs> Welcome is right. <laughs> but, but anyway, what I was thinking about when I was young and I was going to get my driver's license, I think I flunked the permit test two or three times and I flunked the parking test two or three times, but each time there was a do-over, I could take it again. Mm -hmm. And what came to me is in this gospel, when you're leaving this flesh, there ain't no do-over. You better get it right now. And what Yahweh was showing me is how many times I thought I knew something and I didn't, you know? And it's like the, uh, Dr. Geller was saying, you gotta make your election sure. Because when I first came to class 150 years ago, I remember, uh, I'm 152, but anyway, <laughs> I, I remember Dr. Kenley saying, don't believe me. And I thought that was so weird. I said, well, how can he say, don't believe me? You're the minister. What do you mean? Don't believe you. He right. said, make me prove it. And I thought, well, how can I make him prove it? You know, I don't know nothing. He's the minister. What do you mean? Don't believe me. So anyway, he said that so, 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 so much. And he made us read it in the Bible, look it up. And he said, wait a minute, I'm gonna wait till you get it get this scripture. Everybody got it, you know, because, you know, we just sit, I mean, I've never used the Bible in church. We had a Bible, but we didn't use it. We just had a Bible, you know, and the preacher preached out of the Bible. So when I came to class, I was, you know, I'd say maybe 15 or 16. 
So, uh, you know, he made us read it out of the Bible. He didn't, he said, don't believe me. You cannot go in on my coattail. And I mean, that was so ingrained in me. And that's why I didn't get attached to any person. In other words, what's happening nowadays, it seems like, is like people get locked into a person that, and they filter everything through that person. And so if you ask them something, well, my, my dean said this, well, my dean said that, well, my, and, they, and they can't answer anything on their own because they're filtering everything through what their dean says. And what Yahweh was telling me, you better lock yourself in a room by yourself and slap yourself and ask yourself, do I believe Yahshua or am I believing through a person? You can't go in on anybody's coattail. That's why he gave us the charts, the archetype. You got transcript. You don't catch yourself filtering. Well, well what, what does so-and-so say about this? Well, oh, well, what does, what's the latest? What, what's, what's everybody saying? You better know this for yourself. You can't play no game. There's no do-over. When you're drawing your last breath, there's no do-over. You better know that before you draw your last breath. And the reason why I'm concentrating on that, my sister passed away uh, uh, last month. Last year, my other sister passed away. The year before that, my other sister passed away. And I'm the last one in my family, mother, father, brother, sister. I'm the last one. And I said, Yahweh, why am I the only one here? And none of them came to class. And I said, there's something else that I have to learn. And so I'm so conscious of death now because I watched my sister die. I watched her take her last breath. And I said, that could be me. Yahweh left me here to get my election sure because I can't go in on what Dr. Gill says, what Dr. Kinley says. What is Joshua saying through the scriptures, through the charts, through the, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's what was impressed on my mind when I remember taking my driver's license test and I flunked it so many times and I still can't drive. And I just said, I got a do over. But when you draw that last breath, it's, it's not a do-over. So quit, you know, he told me to quit playing and quit uh, uh, half paying attention and, and be sincere and know this thing for yourself. And I can't learn everything that there is. Nobody does. But be sure of what you think you know. Don't depend on somebody that their proof is so-and-so said that that's uh, I mean that's how somebody proved to me that oh well my dean said this well that's no proof that's true that's no proof or if your dean says well Dr. Kenley told me that don't mean nothing to you do you see what I'm saying? What does the scripture say? You can't go on what somebody said that somebody else said that I heard. I, I can remember when my mom died when I was 10 and I would tell the story that she was sitting on the porch and I asked her, did she want some water? And she mumbled and something or another, you know, 
And do you know what that didn't happen? That was the story my sister said. She said, you weren't even there. Y'all were out playing. But I, I took on what I heard so much and that I thought it was true that I did that, that I handed her water. No, I didn't. She said, y'all was playing. You wasn't around. But I heard her tell that story that I believe that I did that. So that's what a lot of people will do. They will hear somebody say that Dr. Kinley said something and, and maybe he did and maybe he didn't. But your salvation is dependent on what Yahweh shows you. Quit letting people validate what they say by them telling you that Dr. Kinley told me. And he, you're the only one that heard it. You're the only one in the room. That ain't no proof. You got to hear it yourself. Read them transcripts. Listen to, to them lectures and things. You, you got it. A lot of times we just are so loyal to friendships. We get so attached to people. I'm sorry, I'm just rambling. But we get so attached to people that we don't even think for ourselves anymore. That's how a lot of people got hooked up in this false doctrine because they held somebody up in such a high esteem. Well, he wouldn't lie to me. Well, Dr. Kenley put him in charge. Well, he would, well, wait a minute. He said that you gotta know this thing for yourself. Don't care who he put in charge. Don't care who it is. You gotta know the truth and you gotta know it for yourself. And I don't care what anybody says. That's where you gotta be because you're, you gotta spend eternity somewhere. This isn't a game. This isn't a, 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 a what do you call it? A career. You know what I mean? People advancing their careers and okay, like he was saying, you know, I'm getting prestige and I'm getting accolades and everybody's looking up to me. That's not what the IDMR is for. It's to find and know Yahweh as he really is and actually exists, not for you to get all the praise and glory. You've got to spend eternity somewhere and you can go out of here at any time you know that that's what's been pressing on my mind there's no do-over you better get it now and quit looking at people and holding people up to esteem and saying well if my dean doesn't say it i'm not going to buy it no if yahweh doesn't say it i'm not going to buy it that's where you got to be but i i'm going to stop because I'm, I'm i'm i think i'm just rambling so with those few words i'll say thank you Okay, thank you very much. Appreciate your comments. Uh, mm -hmm. And now we will hear again from Dr. Margaret Trimson. Thank you very much. I really, I really enjoyed Sandy. I don't know that I've ever met Sandy. I've been to Springfield class a few times, but it's uh, refreshing. It was just refreshing, good advice. Just stick to the book, stick to what you do know right. and what's been proven to you and not be going on anybody's word. And it's true. That's how so many people have been um, taken off the true path by holding someone in high esteem and following them. We've seen that in our class. We had a split where um, 
the New York State Dean Burbank Mitchell was in our class. And then when he left, when our class split, he went with the majority of the people in our class that left. He went with them. A lot of people went just because he went because they figured he couldn't be wrong. Just like Sandy was saying, you know, Dr. Kinley put so-and-so so -so in charge. They can't be wrong. And Dr. Kinley left them in charge and they end up following the man. And I, I've seen that happen so much. So her advice was very, you know, I'm glad that we got to hear from Sandy. And I appreciate all the remarks that she made. It's very encouraging that we're on the right path here because we are sticking in the book. We're looking for the witnesses. We're looking at the law and the prophets and we haven't taken our eyes off of that yet. And um, Greg, can you get the tabernacle pattern chart for me? Just because what it says at the top there that um, man is made in the image of Elohim. So we, in order for that to happen, then we have to know what the, that we have, we have an image of our creator. Elohim is a title, but man is made in the image of Elohim by the pattern of the tabernacle. And we know that when, um, now we can go back to the Moses chart, please. We know that when Yahweh Elohim gave Moses this vision, it was a vision of himself and then the tabernacle pattern and then um, you can see the half part of the body of Yahweh Elohim with the creation coming out. In principle, that's likened unto a, the creation coming out of Adam's side that was Eve. Eve came out of Adam's side. The creation is offspring of Yahweh Elohim. So that's why you have the creation coming out of his side. And then it starts day one, day two, day three, like that. And now... Um, this chart doesn't have it, but some charts on the days of creation will have those veils painted as the rainbow, but it's starting at the, where Adam is mm -hmm. on our chart, the um, Moses chart that we use in our class that we put up when we have class. Starts with Adam, the red man, a sixth day, and the veils there are red, and it goes from the right to the left of the colors of the rainbow being red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, and violet. That's how um, I think Mitchell painted it that way. He was color coordinating stuff when he painted the charts and he had Moses was always in red in our chart because he's the beginning. He's the uh, first one that Yahweh Elohim had dealings with um, as far as really no knowing and finding out his name, knowing anything about the creator, because before that, everyone called him El Shaddai. Yeah, right. you can see it there. Greg's got this chart up. You can see the um, sixth day, Adam, the, the veil's red, and it goes orange, yellow, green, blue, goes to black there with heavenly purples, I guess. So you can, that's what I was talking about. So there's colors in this creation that Yahweh even works with colors. The, the, those are the colors of the rainbow. Pure light is broken down into those seven colors. You get a prism, get the sun refracted through that prism, and it throws all those colors. Now, you didn't, looking at the sunlight, you didn't see those colors, but that three-sided prism throws, breaks that light up and makes it break down into those seven colors. Now, um, 
So I'm talking about colors in the creation. And why I'm talking about that is because Sharon sent me a little clip of a, a Dr. Kimley soundtrack. And it's only like 12 minutes long or something. It was really short, short, short. But he was talking about color in the creation. And that's something that I've always found so interesting, the way um, he uses color in the creation. Like you've got the birds in the sky, the birds, just take the birds, ornithology, the birds, right? Now, the ones that are closest to the earth are like really colorful. It's all your, you know, the, oh, the purple buntings and the red cardinals, and you've got the orange, well, Baltimore Orioles, mm -hmm. you've got bluebirds. So you've got these birds in the creation of every color in the heavens. That's, their, that's where they are in the heavens, right? And then on the earth, you've got animals of every color. There's all colors of animals. There's all colors of skin. There's um, there's just so much beautiful color in the creation. You got the flowers, every color in the rainbow in the spring, you see all the flowers. So on the earth, you've got all these colors. In the heavens, you've got all these colors. And, the, uh, and then the, in the sea, you've got colors. It's the first, um, the ocean breaks down just like this tabernacle pattern does. You've got the most holy place being the top, very small layer of the ocean that um, where most of the life is. And that's where all the colors are too. That's where you have your angel fish. Mm. It's like you have angels in the heavens. You've got angels on the earth. You've got angels in the sea. Everything happens in all three of those. If I'm not really saying it right. But think of heaven, think of earth and the seas. And that's where Yahweh said, don't worship anything that's in the heavens or in the earth or on the sea. Don't worship any of them. But yet he has put all these beautiful, amazing things there as witnesses to him. These are his witnesses. So we've got um, the color in the earth and so in the sea, the first top part of the layer of the ocean, you've got all those tropical fish and to go to a fish store someday not where you buy fish to eat but the other kind what do you call it or an aquarium go to an aquarium sometime look at the beautiful tropical fish in the top layer they have all these amazing colors and um clownfish and they have dogfish just like they have dogs in the creation there's dogfish there's catfish we have a cat bird that feeds it in one of our feeders in the backyard so there's cats in the ocean, there's cats on the, earth, on, the, on the earth. A lot of this stuff repeats. He's got, he's got us surrounded by all these witnesses. And I think what I'm gonna, um, Adam and Eve in the garden, the fruit on the trees, there's your colors too. So there's the color of the fruit on the trees in the most holy place, that would be, because that's where the color is gonna occur most often is in the most holy place of your tabernacle pattern. That's where the high priest went in there once a year with his garments of beauty and glory. And think about all those stones around them. They're all different colors. There's emeralds and you know yellow stones and green stones and sap, blue, whatever. All different colors of stones on in the most holy place. So in principle, all your colors are gonna be in the most holy place, the, mm -hmm. best, the best colors. I'll say it that way. Now, if I can go to the um, 
Oh, what chart did I want? How about the green chart? There's a green chart, okay. And the most holy place. So if you look across, you can see the tabernacle pattern on the left side. And then as you move to the right, staying in the most holy place, you see the temple is on the, in the first part there called the um, migration. When they finally get to Jerusalem, when they finally get to Canaan's land, actually, they build that temple and they have precious jewels are pressed into that temple. You've got color there. And then when the sun hit that dome that was covered with gold would be a blinding light. So there's all kinds of color and that's where they were fruitful. Like down in Egypt, they had nothing. Egypt means black. So, and that was, they were slaves. It was a negative kind of place to be. Mm -hmm. Then they were in the wilderness for 40 years, which was a neutral zone, pretty much. And then they go into their own land, into Canaan's land. And that's where King Solomon and all his glory and all that, that's where they were. It's a type of heaven is what it is. The most holy place is a type of heaven, a dwelling with your creator. And Dr. Kinley always talked about the atoms. Sometimes he just threw it in there randomly. I was like, he did that on that little 12 minute tape. All of a sudden he goes, and then there's the atom, a proton, neutron, electron. He wasn't talking about the atom at all, but he, he threw it in there as a witness to this tabernacle pattern. Then you've got the cell, the DNA, the RNA, and the ribosomes. The DNA, that's, where, that's what controls what color your hair is gonna be. I mean, there's color. A color consideration with the DNA, DNA being the law of your of your body, really, just like the proton is the law of that element, because depending on how many protons will determine the number of electrons will determine what that element actually is. Now over here with the butterfly, the egg, you don't see a lot of color there. The larva, eh, some color, not too much, but move up into the whole mostly place with the adult butterfly. And just, you know, open your encyclopedia and look on, you know, look it up on um, Google, butterflies and the, the beautiful colors that they come in. Did you ever go to a butterfly garden? It's just amazing the colors that these butterflies come in. Then we move over into the seasons and you're, we want to go up to the most holy place and we're looking for color. So there you go. There's the fruit on the trees or even the flowers there happens to be a, a, a tree here in Syracuse up at the university that a guy grafted 50 different kinds of flowering hard stone, they call it stone fruit, like this kind of fruit that would have a pit in it. He took 50 different branches and grafted them all onto this one tree. And in the spring, it's all different colors. Like if you ever seen a red bug tree, they have or a magnolia tree or dogwood in the springtime, the, the colors are just amazing. That's the flowers. And then after the flowers are gone, comes the fruit. So then the fruit's colorful too. But see the rest of the tree, not so colorful. You know, the trunk, eh, sometimes they're kind of pretty. The roots you can't even see, but we know that they're not really colorful. So um, go over to the, let's see. I'm just gonna leave it there because those are the ones that are so obvious to me. Now in the heavens, you do have beautiful colors of the different planets and stuff. Mm -hmm. They're not all just 
mm-hmm. you know, rocks floating around out there. You're getting some, there's a space probe or something out there now that's taking pictures that have mm-hmm. never been taken before. And they're sending back these amazing color pictures of what's out in space. You know, we look up and we only see black. We don't, you know, at night you see some stars or something, but they're throwing, they're bringing back these just amazing pictures and the colors are just astounding. Mm-hmm. And um, so that's in the heavens. Now, um, I'm gonna go back to the ocean for just a little bit because I only have a little bit of time left here. So um, hmm, I don't know what chart to use for that. We can stay here, I guess. We're gonna go, um, let's go to the tabernacle pattern actually. That'll be better, easier to see. And I'm just gonna work with the ocean for a little bit. This is something that I, when my kids were little actually, now they're, in their 30s, but when they were in elementary school, I was looking into the oceans with them for a kids' class project. And they started bringing me home books from the school library about the ocean. And so we would, you know, look up stuff together and they got so excited because it was so easy to see things, how Yahweh put the oceans together by his pattern. Because the court roundabout, it's a big fenced in area, it's huge. The court roundabout is so big compared to the holy place and most holy place. And the ocean, the deepest part of the ocean is called the abyss. And that's where not much light gets down in there. So there's nothing that grows down there. So there's nothing to eat down there except each other. And so that's typifying Egypt or and the death and the darkness and the creatures that are dwell in the deep are really ugly and they're not they're not colorful they're either black or red and it just makes me think of the catholic church because they have their cardinals in the church and then they have the priests and the nuns that all dress in black so that's what it was either black or red and none of them are fast they're all really logy but there is the king of the that there's a giant squid that rules that darkness. And um, then there is another creature, the sperm whale, mm-hmm. that can go right from the, that part to the, down the deep in the abyss, and he can goes right up to the top to get air. And then he, but when he wants a snack, he goes from the most holy place to top of the ocean, top ocean layer, down to the next layer, which is called the twilight, which is correlates to the um, holy place of your tabernacle pattern. So there's the little, the little top layer. It's really small, just like the most holy place. It's a square little space compared to the rest of the tabernacle. Now the holy place is twice as long as the most holy place. So it is bigger. So the twilight zone is where some sunshine gets through, but not a lot. So there are some green things to eat there but a lot of the fish, um, there is one particular fish called a lantern fish, which will, lives in that twilight zone. But at night, it goes up to the top to feed on the, um, all the green stuff that grows up there. And this lantern fish has bioluminescent spots on its side. And the colors are blue, purple, and scarlet. And it goes up through that veil. It goes from the most holy place into the holy place at night to eat. And then it comes back down through that veil. And that's where it 
hangs out is in the twilight zone. It's called a lanternfish. Got two minutes, okay. So, um, so in the mostly place of the ocean, it's the top layer and that's where all the really lively, vital, quick, quick, beautiful, it's a quickening. It's a, it really is heaven compared to being in the court roundabout or the abyss of the ocean was, would be typifying hell. And you got that um, sperm whale goes up for air, it goes down to the court roundabout to, for it to snack and the, he snacks on, that's what a snack is, is the giant squid. Mm -hmm. they, they just go down there, they zoom down there and snack on them. And they, oh, they just recently, I think, saw a giant squid in its natural habitat because they've been looking and looking and looking, haven't been able to find it. Just like that mystery of iniquity, they don't even think, most people don't even think it exists, the mystery of iniquity. And so here in the ocean, you've got these really ugly fish typifying the mystery of iniquity, like the, uh, what was that one with the big angler fish or just look up fish of the abyss on Google and see how it's there. Anyway, the squid will go down. And the only way that the squid had to protect himself from becoming a snack for the, um, the uh, sperm whale was to wrap his arms around his mouth to try to stop him from eating them. And it's just like that mystery of iniquity is trying to stop your mouth, trying to get you to shut up. Don't do that. Don't go on YouTube. Don't make this class available. It's not, you know, we're not out there anymore. Now it's internal. What do they call it? It's internal. It's internal now, they say. So they're done trying to get people to come to class anymore. No. So my, my time is up and I'm going to, oh, there's a little, there you go. That shows you how the, um, the sunlight zone is so little compared to the meso and the paleo. And those make up the twilight zone. The sun gets down there somewhat. But then there's parts where it's really deep and no light gets down there. There's nothing to eat down there except each other. And that's just how it is out in this world. They're just killing each other. They're just, but that sperm whale is typifying the mystery of righteousness. And that mystery of iniquity is the giant squid trying to stop the mouth of the mystery of righteousness. So it's fun stuff to check out to get a minute to do it. And anyway, just to me, it's another amazing witness that this, our creators put there for us to know that he, he is real. And he's got this all under control, and there's no doubt about it. So thank you for the time. Turn it back to the moderator. Thank you, Dr. Trevison. Uh... Our last speaker this evening will be the Dean of the Oceanside, California class, Dr. Dennis Volpe. Good evening, everyone. Just want to make sure, of course, that uh, I'm coming through sound-wise, I hope. Yes. All right, great. Great. You know, tonight's class was like a smorgasbord. <laughs> there was so much diff different points and principles that were discussed by all three of the speakers. Uh, that, you know, uh, really you could springboard off all of them uh, and take uh, different points that were being made. What I'm going to try to do tonight is talk a little about our scripture reading and probably some of the things that I'll try to get into will springboard off of some points that were made by one or, or another speaker. So 
Let's go back over here to Philippians, the third chapter. And I want to say that Philippians, the third chapter, to me, is a very, uh, I'll, I'll put it this way, it's a very special chapter because uh, really what Paul is doing here is he's expressing something that is important for us to recognize, and that is how that Yahweh has called us uh, to the ministry. Despite, despite what we were before we walked in the door. So let's go ahead and start at, well, let, we're going to read quick. Uh, who's my reader? Bruce, you're reading? Yeah, I'm trying to find Philippians. <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm uh, th three and one. Three and one. Go ahead and start. Philippians 3. Scott, if you got it before me, if you want to. I got it. Philippians of thir three and well, one. actually, because of time, start at three. Three and three. For we are the circumcision, which worship Yahweh in the spirit, and rejoice in Yahshua the Messiah, and have no confidence in the flesh. Now, that was kind of expressed tonight by several speakers in different manners. And that is not having any confidence in the flesh. Now... Uh, Dr. Wilkerson was talking about uh, the fact that we cannot ride in on somebody's coattails. And it doesn't matter if your dean said it or uh, your, the most charismatic speaker said it, because we're not putting our confidence in a man. And I liked what Dr. Wilkerson said, that it doesn't matter what Dr. Gill, Dr. Volpe, Dr. This or Dr. That says. What matters is what doth saith Yahweh. Now, when Dr. Kinley, and I want to pick up on that point, too, uh, when Dr. Wilkerson was talking about when Dr. Kinley said, and I did enjoy the way she expressed this, uh, don't believe me. <laughs> and, and she pointed out, well, what do you mean, don't believe you? You're the minister. <laughs> right. That is a shocking statement when you come out of the church to hear the, uh, the dean or the minister, the chief minister of an organization tell you not to believe him. And I like the follow-up point also that she brought out, and that was that Dr. Kinley said, make me prove it. And, of course, none of us would know how to make Dr. Kinley prove anything. Right. And I love the way she explained that. Now, what I'm going to say about that is this. Dr. Kinley had to teach us how to hold his feet to the fire. In doing so, if we would learn to hold his feet to the fire and uh, uh, force him to provide witnesses to whatever he's saying out of the scriptures, the law and the prophets. Now, if we did that with, did that with him, then we wouldn't have any problem doing it with anybody else in this organization. And really, even uh, the second speaker talked about, or uh, excuse me, the first speaker talked about uh, how he had come out of uh, I'll say, a perversion of the doctrine that the founder taught. Right. Now, the beauty of it is, if we had all followed, if all of us follow, what the founder told us, which I call this so-called the rules of the game. Now, the rules of the game are that if somebody doesn't say or teach something and back it up in the law and the prophets, then you got no business believing it. And that's what Dr. Kinley used to say. And he used to say, well, he used to actually say that you have no obligation to believe it. And he said that if you get up and present something, 
That's and don't back it up in the law and the prophets. You got no business teaching it. He used to say. Now, what I want you to know is that what we want to do down here, and what is important, is first of all when we are speaking, to make sure that we make statements, especially statements that people may not be familiar with or have not had really an explanation uh, in their foundation of how that is witnessed by the law and the prophets, we need to go back into the writings of Moses and the prophets and the things that Yahweh laid down manifestationally down through the law and the prophets to give witness to what we're saying. And that is actually confirming our doctrine by biblical uh, or, or if you will, that it is scripturally founded. Now, Paul, he was a learned man in the scriptures. Knew the scriptures backwards and forwards, up and down. And this man obviously had his own ideas of what those scriptures were saying and what those scriptures were trying to cause him uh, to believe, as it were. And we're going to talk about that as we read further in here. Keep going. Fourth verse. Though I might also have confidence in the flesh, if any other man thinketh that he hath whereof he might trust in the flesh, I more. Now what Paul is telling you, his attitude, what he, how he felt, and how he thought prior to his conversion. I remember the throbbing. Okay, now, what I want you to see here is this, that he said, if anybody thinks they have confidence in the flesh, he said that he has even more confidence. And what he's going to do is he's going to express where his confidence was in the next few verses. Go ahead and read. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel. Bonafide Israelite. He wasn't a, uh, Paul was not a Jew, by the way. What do you mean? He wasn't out of the tribe of Judah because he says he was of the tribe of Benjamin, but he was an Israelite. So therefore he was circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel. Read. Of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. He was a Hebrew of the Hebrews, meaning that he was somebody that was a teacher of the Hebrews. Read. That's right. As touching the law... Pharisee. Now the Pharisees were believed in strict observance of the law, and mind my words now of what I'm about to say, according to their interpretation of the law. Yep. And he said that he was a Pharisee as touching the law. In other words, he was strict about observing the law. Read. Concerning zeal, excuse me, concerning zeal, Persecuting the church. Now listen, Paul was, he was zealous. He was zealous. He had so much zeal because he believed right within himself that these people that were out there preaching the gospel of Yahshua Messiah were heretics and they were going against what Yahweh said or Elohim said right from Mount Sinai and what the prophet said. So in his mind, he was clear, and he had zeal, thinking what he was doing was righteous and persecuting the assembly of Yahshua. And so therefore, what he did is he persecuted the, the assembly. Read, touching, read. Touching the righteousness which is in the law, 
blameless. Now he said touching it. Meaning that he is close to being righteous according to the law. That's how he felt when he was a Pharisee and that he was blameless. Read. But what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for the Messiah. Now what does he mean by that? In other words, Paul had no understanding of the new covenant, ladies and gentlemen. Let me say that right now. Now, he knew, obviously, Jeremiah 31, 31, but he did not know several things that he read and didn't understand what he was reading. He did not understand in Jeremiah what those days were, that the old covenant would be put to rest or ended and a new covenant would begin. And he didn't really understand Ezekiel 36, 24 either because he didn't realize and he didn't key in on, as most of us didn't when we read the Bible, that it said that the new covenant shall not be according to the old covenant. What does that mean? Now, Dr. Kinley was able to go in and teach us what was in the old covenant and what the intent of the old covenant was. And that's right in your Bible. Now, when Yahweh gave the law from Mount Sinai and Israel was gathered around that mountain, now, all those things that Yahweh told them to do they willingly agreed to it, and I must say, their arm was twisted. And you say, well, what do you mean? Yahweh scared the living daylights out of them. When he spoke to them, he shook the ground, and his voice thundered, and those people were frightened. Therefore, when you're scared, you'll agree to anything. I mean when you're really scared. So those people, oh, yeah, 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 we'll do that. We'll do that. Just ask them not to speak to us like that anymore. Now, fear is not a good motivator to cause somebody to truly adhere or uh, do what you're asking for the right intent, obviously. So what happened is Moses told them, he said, if we observe to do all the things that Yahweh commanded, it shall be our righteousness. Now, what they didn't realize is that they were not able in of themselves to keep that law, to be able to be obedient to it. Because something was missing. And what was missing is they didn't have the heart to keep it, number one. And number two, they didn't have the spirit that would cause them to walk in those statutes. And therefore, they were fighting a fight with their hands tied behind their back and trying to be obedient. And the devil knew that he could cause them to falter, which was his job, so that all of them would be concluded under sin back under the Old Covenant. And that's exactly what Yahweh wanted. He wanted the whole world to be concluded under sin. Now, I know that the whole world is more than just the Jewish nation, but when you under, start to understand the intent and the principles here, we all, whether we were a Gentile or a Jew, are guilty of the principles of being sinners, violating our conscience, and all those kind of things. Now, the, the, the law was given to show and make sin manifested. And so what happened is they all died short of the glory and there was none righteous, no not one, and all of their righteousness was as filthy rags, to quote the scriptures. Now that was perfect what Yahweh wanted to do there. Now Paul, here he is a Pharisee. He's trying to touch the righteousness in the law. Now I doubt very seriously that Paul, even when he was a Pharisee, would go out and start uh, saying to him, I'm a righteous man, 
because in the seventh chapter of Romans, Paul clearly expresses that he had issues going on inside of himself trying to keep that law. That what he would do, he doesn't do. What he tells others to do, he doesn't do it. He realized that he himself was faltering. And he, he said, oh, wretched man that I am. Who shall deliver me from this, this bondage that I'm in? Now, what I want you to know is Paul knew that he was a sinner right within his heart and mind, within his soul. And he expresses that in the seventh chapter and continues on in that vein in the eighth chapter of Romans. So, what we follow, what we find out then is this, that Paul is now, and we know, of course, that Paul is writing this in Philippians, rec uh, rec uh, uh, remembering, uh, uh you know, what he was uh, motivated, how he was motivated, why he was motivated to go out and persecute the assembly. And here he says, but what things were gained to me, those I counted loss for the Messiah. Now let me explain it. That's what I was starting out to show you. If you, in any way, shape, or form, can start, as it were, leaning on your own laurels, leaning on your own understanding, and thinking that you now are righteous, well, then you have made the Messiah's sacrifice to be in vain if you can make or cause yourself to be righteous. Because the Messiah came in because it was impossible for any man to establish their own righteousness. So they would then, by necessity, have to become a member of his body, that is to say a congregant of the assembly of Yahshua the Messiah, and they would then be blanketed, if you went, I'll use that term, covered in Yahshua's righteousness. And that we are having our sins covered by becoming recipients of the divine nature. So what I want you to know is, no man has any righteousness, only Yahshua. He's the only one that was righteous in the entire purpose. Anybody that manifests Yahshua is only because it's the Holy Spirit that is causing that righteousness to be made apparent and being acceptable to the Father Yahweh. Now, at the baptism, Yahshua the Messiah, when he came up out of that water, there was a voice from heaven that said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Now, that was Yahweh announcing that he was well pleased in Yahshua the Messiah. Because that was Yahweh in Yahshua walking around back there. But he made that statement about Yahshua. He did not make that statement about you and me. And he didn't make it about Paul either. Now why is Yahweh pleased in Yahshua the Messiah? And why isn't he pleased in us? Well, it's just as simple. Yahshua, first of all, was the, uh, uh, if you will... He was the walking demonstration of the divine nature. All the divine attributes of intelligence, knowledge, wisdom, love, beauty, justice, foundation, power, and strength were formed into that soul that we call the soul of Yahweh Elohim or Yahshua. That soul, ladies and gentlemen, was a reflection of Yahweh in pure spirit, meaning that it was a demonstration of divine intelligence, divine knowledge, divine wisdom. Therefore, when Yahweh was walking around, or even when Yahweh was manifested in the visionary form of Elohim, the divine attributes were being manifested. 
to the world, although the world doesn't understand this at that point until the day of Pentecost when the Messiah is going to make us and reveal to us how that Yahweh was the one that is being made uh, uh, manifest through the operation of the Godhead. Now, what I'm trying to get you to see is that Yahweh's intent for bringing forth the purpose to begin with, and this is right from Dr. Kinley, he said that he might have offspring, or bring about offspring, that he might make himself known to his offspring. Now, we know we can't know about Yahweh in his totality. Uh, that's just an impossibility. But what he did is he took on shape and form in a limited, uh, uh, if you will, expression of the attributes. And those attributes that are being expressed are a reflection of Yahweh himself so that you can understand something about what Yahweh's attributes, which what he is, he is the attributes, are in pure spirit by the demonstration of those attributes through Elohim and Yahshua. Now, that's why Yahweh is well pleased in Yahshua. Now, one of the divine attributes is love. And we're talking, we're not talking about an emotion now, we're talking about an attribute. That attribute of love is a permeating part that works it with every one of the other attributes. In other words, Yahweh's intelligence is going to be shown forth through his great love. His wisdom is going to be uh, imbued with that divine love, uh, his justice, his strength, his power. So what I want you to know is that Yahweh so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. And the son, who would never disobey his father, not because he was fearful, but because he loved Yahweh with all of his heart, with all of his soul, and with all of his might. That love that was in Yahshua, which Paul says passes knowledge. That love that was in him was only reflected through him and no other creature that was ever created until we receive of that same spirit in us. So what I want you to see is that when that Holy Spirit is put within us, what we have is this principle. And I work, I've been working with this a little bit in a few of the other classes. When Yahshua came to John to be baptized and he was immersed in that water, Later, Yahshua tells the apostles after his resurrection, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and the name of the Holy Ghost. Now the baptism was not in water, but Peter didn't know that on the day of Pentecost. He had to find that out as he grew after the day of Pentecost, his understanding to realize when he made the statement with the Holy Spirit in him, Can any man forbid water? Then remembered I that he said, you shall be baptized with fire and the Holy Spirit. It took the Holy Spirit to bring that back to Peter's remembrance. But what I want you to know is that baptism, now let me tell you what that baptism really is. The word baptize comes from the root word, or it means to immerse. If you look up what the word immerse means, it means to merge. Now when you look up what the word merge means, it means to coalesce into one body. Now what I want you to realize is when the knowledge of the purpose is being taught in what we call the preaching of the gospel, and you are quickened by the revelation from the Holy Spirit as to the meaning of these things and how they actually uh, are revealing spirit itself, what happens is you become a member of the body of Yahshua. You are merging. Your soul is merging with his soul. 
And I want you to know this about that. It's as much the same. Uh, Dr. Kinley once said that the way you're born from above is the same way you were born from beneath. Now, here's how it works from beneath. When an ovum comes forth in the ovary from the ovary into the fallopian tubes, and when the sperm, which we call the seed, comes in contact and finally penetrates into that, into that uh, uh, ovum, we have DNA both in the ovum and in the sperm. Now what happens is there's a merging that takes place. So that the male counterpart, which I'll call the, the, the seed or the sperm, and the female counterpart, which is the ovum, become one. And what happens as a result of that, there is genetic information now supplied to the ovum and to that new cell how to divide and multiply and form a body. Now, your soul is just like one of those ovums. When you came into class, you were not complete. You needed something more than just having a soul. You needed what that soul has the potential to become. Now, the only one that knows that is Yahshua the Messiah. So when he puts his spirit down inside of your soul and he starts to reveal Yahweh and the purpose to you, your soul and his soul are merging. You are going to grow in intelli divine intelligence, divine knowledge, divine wisdom, divine beauty, divine love and justice and power and strength. We are starting to be a partaker of the divine nature because now the soul is imbued with information that can tell it how to develop and grow and become a new creature. That's how you're born again. And what I want you to know is when that happens, your soul is no longer Dennis Volpe, Rick Trevison, or whatever your name is. Your soul's name now is Yahshua. You are becoming a member of his family or body, and the whole family in heaven and earth are called by one name. That means that the Father recognizes you as his son, and you become begotten through Yahshua the Messiah to be a creature now that is one that he is well pleased in. So that the same at the end of this age will be said of you that was said of Yahshua at the baptism when Yahweh, uh, Yahshua appears. They'll say, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And I'm talking about all of us that are recipients of the Holy Spirit. We are now a part of Yahshua's body. We have coalesced. We have been baptized into his body. And we are now, uh, as it were, a new creature. And, and you know, I know uh, Peggy got up here and talked about the beauty of those butterflies. It does not yet appear what we shall be at the end of this age. Uh, John writes, he says, But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him. Now, Dr. Kinley told us this. He said that when Yahshua appears at the end of this age, he will appear in great power and glory, and he will outshine the noonday sun. And his body that he will be appearing in, no man has ever seen. It's a super incorporeal body, above that of an angel. And that body is going to be radiant. And I'm going to use the terminology uh, from the manifestation that Peg used about the butterflies, it'll be radiant in color, radiant in light and beauty. And you will have that same body at the end of this age, and you will be a reflection of him, and you will radiate that great spiritual colorfulness of the 
nature and, 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 and attributes of Yahweh himself. And so I'm just trying to get you to see that what Paul is not aware of any of these things yet, and when he realized it after his conversion, he's writing this and he says, but what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for the Messiah. Now whatever I thought of myself that, that glorified me, that I was of the tribe of Israel, uh, I was, uh, I mean, of the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, and I was a Hebrew of Hebrews, touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecute assembly, and I was blameless. In other words, he realized that that was him spouting off all of his own glory and his own so-called somewhat righteousness. But the reality of it is this, that he realized now that there's only one righteous, and that's Yahshua the Messiah, and there was nothing righteous about him at all. And that by grace and mercy, he was called to be a minister and become a part of the body of Yahshua the Messiah to be a part of his glory. And so he realized by him spouting out his own, uh, if you will, uh, great things, he was stealing from Yahshua his glory. Keep reading. Eight, please. Eight. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss, for the excellency of the knowledge of Yahshua the Messiah, my Savior, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung, that I may win the Messiah. Everything that he was telling you above that he thought was worth something, that he thought made him special, he counted for loss to Yahshua the Messiah, because then it, it, it exemplified him and not Yahshua. But now he understands this because in another place he writes that he was an injurious man, he was a, a, a blasphemer, and he said, and this saying is worthy of all acceptation, that Yahshua came to save sinners, he said, of whom I am chief. He took no credit upon himself, he gave all the credit to Yahshua the Messiah, and he said, I count it loss, and do count them but dung, all the things that he said that I may win the Messiah. And he's doing this for the excellency of Yahshua the Messiah. Keep reading. Nine, and be found in him, not having mine own... Not having my own uh, bragging, my own uh, points of why I'm worthy and why I should have been saved and why I got the Holy Spirit or however else you want to talk about it, my own rights, not having my own righteousness. Read. Which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of the Messiah, the righteousness which is of Yahweh by faith. Now listen, listen, all of that righteousness and faith is locked up in that body of Yahshua the Messiah. Yahshua is the faithful and true witness. And that, that spirit, when it is put within a man, will not only humble you to recognize that you've been saved by grace and not of yourself, but also make you comprehend the love and kindness of your Creator towards you, and that you are, uh, uh, ladies and gentlemen, you are basically uh, a, a uh, recipient, you follow, of all of those things that represent the divine nature of how Yahweh is so merciful, and how Yahweh has sacrificed himself for us when we didn't even deserve it. Dr. Kinley talked about that when Yahweh was in pure spirit, and he uh, took on shape and form within himself that that was a crucifixion because he had to come out of a state of much higher glory into a lower state of glory. 
And then further, he had to come out of that superincorporeal and corporeal state down into the physical state, which was basically no glory. Just so that he could demonstrate to you his wonderful kindness and love towards you that he had for you uh, uh, right, uh, according to the purpose that he had purposed. And so Paul is saying, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, but through faith in Yahshua and righteousness, which is by Yahweh. It's of Yahweh by faith. Keep reading. 10. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. Now, Yahshua talks about this. He talked about, he talked about, uh, basically, well, Dr. Killing used to say, now, you're going you're gonna to have to die to go to heaven. And he said, and I'm not talking about hauling your body out to the cemetery. And Yahshua let him know that whoever saveth his life shall lose it, and whoever loses life for my sake shall save it. Now, we would think of that meaning being martyred, okay? But that's only one way that a person can lose their life. Another way is that you give up everything that you think you want to do with your life when, it's, when it is in opposition to you serving him, and you will give up all things to be a servant, to do the will of your creator, and that is to be a minister of the gospel, to preach the gospel, not allowing anything to prevent you from being a minister and preaching the gospel. You're willing to give up those things that would prevent you. And by giving those things up and giving up the, your will to do the will of the Father, that's how you are, as it were, losing your life and you shall be saved as a result of it. Keep reading. 10. That I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death, Read. if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead. Read. Not, not as though I had, I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I may apprehend, that for which also I am apprehended of Yahshua the Messiah. Now, in other words, what he's saying is he's moving towards the... He's not saying... Paul did said that he was not yet perfect. But he was moving towards perfection. That's true with all of us. The truth is none of us are perfect. And uh, last night there was a statement made by one of the speakers in the class that I was in. Uh, they were talking about how uh, none of us yet... Um, uh, are perfect, and then they quoted what Doc said, where Doc said, but yet you are perfect for the state and condition for which you are in. Now, we realize that we are not perfect, but we also know for the grace that has been bestowed to us, that is to say the amount of revelation that we have been given by him, we are perfect for that state and condition. Now, we Five know... Minutes, please. Yes, okay, Five thank minutes, you. Dennis. Got it. Okay, and we also know this. That at the end of this age, that's when we will become perfect. And Dr. Kinley did say that. He said that you will never be perfect as long as you have a physical body. But once you receive that immortal glorified body, that's when you'll be perfect. Keep reading. 13. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things 
which are before. Now the devil I, would love to have you wallow away in your mire. That is to say, pine away in your iniquity is the way it's talked about in the Bible. In other words, oh gee, I did this, I did that. Woe is me, I'm no good. I, what sense of me going to class because I can't be saved? Listen, we have to understand that none of us were worthy. But he called us despite that, and he is now moving you forward towards perfection. You're going to have to let go of those things that the devil is going to try to use against you to try to get you to falter and to get you to doubt. And recognize that you have been given a promise that Yahshua will deliver you, and we, we say it at the end of every class in the doxology. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and present you faultless before the presence of his glory. Now we have to believe that, ladies and gentlemen, that we are, if you will, putting all of our confidence in Yahshua the Messiah and not in ourselves. Paul had his confidence in himself that he was doing all these good things, making himself to be acceptable to Elohim. Now I want you to know that no flesh shall be justified in Yahweh's eyesight. We have to have confidence in Yahshua to finish the work in each and every one of us, to perfect us, so that when we are presented to the Father as the fruits of his labor, that the Father will be well pleased with that. And that's exactly what Paul is talking about here, that he said he's forgetting the things which are behind and moving forward, pressing toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of Elohim, or Yahweh, in Yahshua the Messiah. Now what I want you to know is this, the mark of the prize of the high calling is not you receiving the Holy Spirit. You, Paul already had that when he made the statement. The per perfection is you being brought to, I mean the mark of the prize of the high calling is you being brought to perfection through the accomplishment of the purpose, and when we are brought forth out of this realm and out of this physical creation at the end of this age, we will then be given and be put into a state of perfection. So any more, anyhow, you know, time doesn't permit us to break down, go into every one of these things, but there's one thing I want to get down to and make this point before I leave. Go to 17. 17. Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as ye have us for an example. Now listen, he did not say, for you have an example, not in my Bible. He said, for you have an ensample. Oh, uh, okay. Does that say that in your Bible, Bruce? No, in the one I'm reading now, uh, which is not a holy name, All it right. says an now, example. Well, all right, this is a King James I'm reading right now, but let, let, let me say this. An example is tied in with end sample. Now, here's what an end sample is, and this is why I thought this was interesting to point this out. Not that I'm trying to correct your reading, but what it is is it is a, uh, uh, it's a form, uh, uh, a fashion figure form, manner, pattern, uh, print. Now, let me go down to the definition here so this will make more sense. In technical sense, the pattern is conformity to which things must be made. And uh, so what, a, uh, what a, uh, uh, an end sample is, is like a stamp. But the definition of end sample is to fashion or to figure. You follow? The mark of a stroke or blow. Now, in other words, if somebody, uh, you know they have these things that stamp 
Like, for an example, if a manufacturer makes something, it'll stamp their name right into metal, for an example. So it's permanently put in there. Well, what I want you to realize is on the Day of Atonement, the high priest had to go in with a mitre tied, uh, I mean, the uh, uh, plate across his forehead. That was actually uh, an engraving so that the side that went up against the forehead was indented with holiness unto Yahweh. So that when he tied that bow, it made an impression in his forehead that when he took the plate off, it was written right in his forehead, holiness unto Yahweh. Now, what's happening here is right. the divine the, the nature, when it's being preached, is actually be it's a blow to your ego. It's a blow to your ignorance. It's Yahweh in stamp, he's stamping you or imprinting you with the truth and the divine nature, so that you become an end sample right. or an example to others. So that's all I wanted to say. I hope that made some sense. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Mm -hmm. I'll turn it back to the moderator. Hallelujah. Thank you very much, Dr. Volpe. Uh, thank you, everyone that uh, has participated in our Zoom room and also those that have viewing us on YouTube. Uh, we will continue to have our Zoom classes every Wednesday from 7 to 9. We will end the, the lecture with the doxology taken from the last two verses of the book of Jude. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless in the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to the only wise Elohim, our Savior, through Yahshua, the Messiah, our sovereign, belong glory and majesty, dominion and power, both before all time and now and ever. Let the class say, hallelujah. hallelujah.